The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 network, sports network. Is that what we do? It's a sports network. That is. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. I just saw Ryan adjusting my levels while I was talking, and it threw me off. For once, he actually threw me off. When we're we're testing the levels, he'll stand away from the mic, not looking at it. And then when he starts, he'll get really into it. And he just, he just tries to screw with me and screw up the, the volume. But you actually it. messed me up by doing that. Yeah, pretty good. But I'm Ryan Abraham, uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. It is a sports network. And we are the podcast of champions forming together. This team, this bond, we've been doing it for six, seven years now, talking about Pac-12 football. Who would do that in the middle of May? We will. Who's going to talk about spring football games or practices or showcases in the middle of football? Well, I will. David won't. Uh, but that's what we do here on the Podcast of Champions. It's Pac-12 football all year round. And I'm excited, David. It's Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Uh, you did bring margaritas, and you brought donuts last week, so I did appreciate that. Yeah, you offered margaritas, but it is 9 in the morning. True. Uh, but, you know, the best time for a margarita is... When you're awake, I guess. I don't know. Like anything. Wow. And you can't drink I'm, all day if you don't start in the morning. I'm so. not a big margarita guy. I, okay. I want to make them for you. I make uh, these homemade margaritas. So it's all fresh squeezed juice. Um, and then the simple syrup you make, which is easy, sugar and water. Uh, but it's really good. Uh, they give me a, a harsh, um, uh, sometimes a heartburn, but like just kind of this harsh feeling in my mouth. Oh. Because of the salt, because of the, I don't know. It's just, there's a combination effect that isn't great. Yeah, I, I do like the salted rims, but I don't I, I don't want it over salted. I like the the little hint of it. Mm-hmm. We could do sugar for you, you know. You can do, you get those like uh No, like, but I think it's I think it's also the sugar. Like it, it, and I'm talking like a typical margarita mix, like that sort of nah, crap. those are terrible. Yeah, it's garbage, but it's still fundamentally the same thing. Um and it uh it it just doesn't do it for me. I'll make you so I'll bring one in homemade. Uh so I I do like a ratio of like I'll cut one orange up and I got a juicer like squeeze the juice out of it. Not like it's like a citrus juicer. I'll do one lime, I mean one lemon and then a bunch of limes. 
and that's a it's a great juice mix. You know, the tequila, you want some pretty good tequila. Fortaleza is great. That's a good one. Corralejo, I like that a lot. Mix it up in there, and then, you know, you add a little simple syrup. And I like to don't, like, stir it. I mix it together because mm-hmm. the syrup can be a little, you know, thick, especially if you, agave is good, too. That's really thick. You really got to mix that one up. But, man, it's uh, they're tasty. I think they're technically would be sort of like a skinny margarita because you're using fresh juice, but the fresh juice just tastes better to me. So why not, instead of all of that, yes. just uh, pour a cup, half tequila, <laughs> half Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> tastes like shit that's why <laughs> but i know your alcohol always tastes bad it's just you're just doing it for the other reasons i know but these actually i think taste pretty good uh everyone i've made them for has liked them so you probably won't but whatever hey it's fair. a mile i should make some uh anyway if you want to get a hold of us we you guys got to get a hold of us because we don't have a lot of questions this week packful podcast at gmail actually you know what this is what this is revenge of the fifth Oh. It was May the Fourth. Be with you. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, are you a big May the Fourth guy? No. I watched some of the. I think your. What's your least favorite movie? The, the uh, one where Le- yeah, Revenge. No. Uh, what was the, stu- uh, the uh, Rise of Skywalker? Ri- yeah. Like holy the, shit. Yeah, I watched that. Was like on TBS, and I was like, put it on like before like the NBA playoffs. So it's um, it's the one where he's like, they like they're they're holding up in that fort and all that. Like the the whole Rebel Alliance is like. In one room, you know, it's like it's it's dumb. Yep. It's, it it's really dumb. I do kind of like how they kill the 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 bad guy, who's another evil whatever guy, and then I like that when they fight all the the red dudes and stuff. No, like, but that's the second movie. That's the good one. No, Last Jedi is the good one. Oh, is that Rise of Skywalker is the third one in that oh, new sequel okay. series? Do you which like is... that one? But there was parts of that I didn't like either. But there's parts I liked. Yeah. But like they bond together and then they, they just break apart right away. Like, oh come on, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but uh, whatever. But yeah, may the fourth be with you. Happy Cinco de Mayo, which is not Mexican Independence Day. It's like a Spanish French War from like eighteen seventy something or whatever. Hang on, I'm gonna look this up. Yeah. It's uh, yeah defeating the French, but it wasn't. It's not Mexican. Independence. I know it's like something confusing. Span- I think Spanish French. It's uh, it's the uh, the anniversary of Mexico's victory over Mexico. the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla in 1862. So this was interesting. This was um, Emperor Napoleon the Third, I believe, was okay. uh, was the Emperor of France at that point. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, but but I mean that is that's independence, isn't it? No, no, it's a different. I know it's 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 not the Fourth of July for Mexico. No, but the, they they beat up the French who were in charge. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, you should know this. Well, okay, so so Mexican Independence Day is celebrated on September sixteenth, which is commemorating the the cry of Dolores in eighteen ten, which initiated the War of Mexican Independence from Spain. Okay, but then they had to get independent from France too, because France was in control for a while. I don't know if they were in control of the whole thing, though, right? Like, there was... Dude, I don't know. They took over... I thought they, like, invaded... I, 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 you know, I don't know. All right, so the Battle of Puebla, hang on, was during the second French intervention in Mexico. Okay, hang on. The second French intervention in Mexico, also known as the Second Franco-Mexican War from 1861 to 1867, was an invasion of Mexico launched in late 1862 by the Second French Empire, which hoped to replace the Mexican Republic with a monarchy favorable to French interests. Oh. But they didn't do that. They were just right. 
So here's the interesting part: is the Battle of Puebla was in 1863. That war went on, or 1862. That war went on for another five years. It's a rough one. What are we celebrating? <sighs> is this like celebrating? I don't know, like um, the Battle of Saratoga or something. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> We've got on Mexico. A lot. I want answers. All right, for all of our Mexican friends, I do have like. Three people of Mexican descent on my staff. I will talk, but you know, can, I, can you get me some answers, I, yeah. Gerard? I want answers. Unfortunately, like they don't really know much. Uh, like I try to, I, I think I know more about Mexico than they do, so that's kind of terrible. But yeah, uh, what whatever. But yeah, they're great. They're great people. Um, I'll, we'll talk to them. We're, we're going to talk to them about the uh, the Cinco de Mayo stuff. Uh, like we said, don't have a lot of questions today. We got like one voicemail and an email. You can email us podcast. I mean, Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com. You can call or text us at four two four. Five three two zero six seven eight. That's six seven eight, right in a row. Look at that. We just we planned that. I think when we got I think that, we did. that Google Voice number. You can tweet us at Pac Twelve Podcast. Lots of tweets been going on. Website Pac Twelve podcastcom You can go or find us on Reddit, Podcast of Champions, and then wherever you can subscribe to the podcast, uh, all the podcasting platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. Follow us there. Rate us with five stars. Then talk your trash. Someone broke the rules. I think you mentioned on Twitter. Uh, good trash talk, only one star. Which, yeah, that's not how we. It's do because that. it was heartfelt trash talk. You know, we we occasionally get loving trash talk, but this was from a guy I blocked on Twitter, and so he was oh. upset. Um, and so he did that not only on the POC, but he also did it on the broadcast. He, he gave you a one he star. Gave, where he gave one star review, and look, that's just that's just that's beyond the pale. You uh, can you can say whatever you want. Cause you, but we, so you blocked him. I blocked him, you know, because that's something I do on occasion. <laughs> and then he got upset. And then he got mad. So wait, I get I got blowback for you blocking this guy. Uh-huh. My podcast. He got big mad. He got big mad about getting blocked. If he did it to the Parasol podcast, I mean, he's a Bruin fan though, right? Yes. Okay, yes. so he probably didn't do that to me. But if he did that to mine. Yeah. It's invariably politics. Like it's always politics with these people. Yeah. Because I block like... them, I block them for the politics stuff, and then they, uh, then they get angry and post on, uh, on our, gotcha, our, our reviews. Nice. Uh, well, try not to do that because I don't want you know, my livelihood is tied up in this. No, but it, it always makes for a good tweet. It's a, <laughs> that's good too. It does make for a good tweet. Um, all right. So we said happy single to Mayo. We also, and you know, there's certain people you follow on Twitter for certain things. Apparently, Brett McMurphy is our go-to guy for Pac-12 coaches' birthdays because last week it was Her- it was Herms, Herms. Edwards' birthday. Uh, crazy. Uh, this week, it's Jed Fish's birthday. So, Brett tweeted, happy birthday to Arizona's Jed Fish, who turns 46 today. Fish is the fifth youngest Pac-12 head coach and 47th youngest overall in the FBS. So, happy birthday to Jed Fish. Happy birthday, Jed. Jed the Fish. Yeah. Uh, good stuff there. Okay, so what do we got to talk about today? We got to recap uh, a couple of spring games, the last two spring games, but we can start off. I know you hate it. Yeah, thank God. With the NFL draft. Yeah, the uh, best program in the Pac-12 the last few years, UCLA, uh, as expected, had the most NFL draft picks. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean they, they've obviously their performance on the field has matched that. I would right? say so. Um, it, uh, you know, like that's why Chip got the extension, right? You know, like, right, right. So that's, and, you know, an, an extension that didn't quite get to the levels we would have liked, but hopefully, 
this year with another winning record. That extension can be extended. Um, it was weird, like overall in the draft. I was in Vegas for the draft. It was crazy there, like a lot of cool stuff going on. Um, but I would say, like Cincinnati, nine draft picks, like only behind um, LSU and Georgia, who set a record with fifteen, which is crazy. Uh, Texas, none. You know, like stuff like that is just weird. Like Texas has had, you know, top ten recruiting classes for forever and to have no draft picks is just kind of uh weird and like and a team like cincinnati you know they made the playoff there undefeated and all that maybe in maybe in picks. texas they should start uh watering the bamboo a little bit like old chipper at watering, ucla they water watered the bamboo it's a stupid analogy um that's like from i don't know some stupid <laughs> life philosophy crap um, but basically the the stupid thing goes if uh if you water bamboo in the first year it doesn't grow uh, if you water it in the second year it doesn't grow if you water it in the third year it doesn't grow but then the fourth year you water it and it grows 15 feet and it's this really stupid applied analogy that is basically that oh don't judge me at all until um there's this unexpected success and then that was the result of all the things i was doing before Gotcha. Um, it's just stupid. It's really <laughs> dumb. But it's been this um, constant mantra um, about Chip Kelly going back to Oregon, but like especially at UCLA. Yeah, it's like said. instant success. Yeah. Well. He watered yeah. the damn bamboo. Uh-huh. In year yeah, one. yeah. No, the, the bamboo. <laughs> the bamboo was already sprouting. Uh, I guess Mike Bellotti was really watering right. the shit out of that stuff. Yeah. Um, UCLA apparently like they had to plant entirely new structures of bamboo. Um, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, what I'm saying is, uh, Steve Sark, you better plant some bamboo, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe they're what they were five and seven. You think uh, that's the bamboo? Was the bamboo planted? Uh, I think they, you know you don't water it though. Bamboo is a really funny word. It is a funny word. Like it's bamboo. It's a funny plant too. Like yeah, it is really you weird. Can use it for different stuff. Uh huh. Like shooting darts. It's weirdly strong. Yeah, it's strong but hollow. But hollow. It's weird. Yeah. So you can the hollowness you can use for things like Rambo can use it to like be underwater. You can breathe. build a raft out you of bamboo. You can build a raft. You could use you know use it to blow darts. You can um, take the shoots and put them up somebody's fingernails oh, to torture them. Thank you. And just use it as like a cane thing, just whacking people. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Bamboo cane. It's like a uh, yeah caning. And right. you can also just say it. I mean, it's fun to it's say bamboo. Bamboo. Uh, yeah. Sark needs to water some bamboo. No draft picks for uh, Texas. Um, for the Pac-12, so uh, Oregon had the most players in the NFL Combine. They had a bunch, like a thousand players, whatever, something like that. I don't remember what the exact number was. Hundreds. They they had a lot. One player was drafted. So that's another. But he was drafted fifth. He was drafted fifth. Uh, not a good ratio, though. You don't think so? No, I would say a lot of dudes to Combine. Not a lot of guys drafted. Um, it's the lowest amount of players. So the Pac-12 had 25 players drafted total since uh, they expanded to 12. Uh, so not 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 ideal. The SEC had 65 players drafted, so 40 more than the Pac-12. Now they got a couple extra teams, but still, that's a lot. Um, if you go per capita, the SEC had 4.6 picks per school, so that's more than a pick than every other conference. The Big Ten was close, 3.4. The Big 12, not bad. 2.5 picks per school. The Pac-12 had just over 2, 2.1. 
And the ACC was the worst, 1.5. Clemson falling off has not helped the ACC. So Pac-12, you know, not the bottom, but close to the bottom. Uh, Georgia had 15 players, a record. So the whole Pac-12 had 25 and Georgia had 15. That's Georgia and LSU combined beat the Pac-12. Sounds right. Yeah, seems like good. So but you know, you know who beat LSU last year? UCLA. And Those you know, Bruins, baby. And that so the Bruins actually overachieved because LSU had like twelve picks or something. I forget what it was. Well, like I was saying about the bamboo. Yeah, they're they're. I don't know what they're doing there. They're yeah, they were slashing. They I don't know what's going on. The bamboo analogy for LSU. They were they were clearing for us, but they had double digit draft picks. And lost UCLA. UCLA had six, so overachieving because mm-hmm. they didn't have as many draft picks as LSU. Exactly. So, really impressive. Like I, I think we should call Martin Jarman right now, add a couple years on, and so a couple mils to uh, Chip's contract. But six picks, the the highest in the Pac-12 overall. Uh, Washington and Arizona State uh, tied with four. USC had three. Cal had two. Washington State also had two. Stanford with one, Oregon State with one, Oregon had one, and Utah had one. Who do you think didn't have any picks? Would you, if you had to guess? What are you? You have your direction going on. What was that? Are you? Did you not know how to get to the office or what's the my studio here? I don't think that was my phone. It definitely was your phone. No, I don't have my map up. Oh, that looks like a map you're showing me. No, it's my map, but I don't have directions up. <laughs> Anyway, who are the losers? Arizona and Colorado. Um, there were two. They were two of a handful of Power Five programs that didn't produce a single draft pick. Uh, Texas, like we mentioned, was included in that. The Wildcats were shut out for the fifth time in the last decade. But Jed Fish, whose birthday is today, I don't know if you mentioned. Do we talk about this? His birthday? I don't remember. That was like ten minutes ago. Is his birthday? He it's said never birthday. again. He tweeted out never again. Never again. Which. You know, that's one of those things like you, you go to like Auschwitz or something and like there's signs that say like never again. It's like sort of this like it's like simple and it's like, hey, let's not ever let this shit happen again. So it seems a little too um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. A little. It's like maybe it's a little too much like uh, trying to um, trying to take out an anthill with a bomb. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, I guess like you could say something like, hey, we're not, you know. Trust me, this is the, the last time that's going to happen yeah, when yeah. I'm around. Never again just sounds very like, you know, prophetic. Like you're just like, oh my God, like this is like, a, we're going to prevent this tragedy from ever occurring right. again. Right. And like Oregon was like one player away from it happening to them. And they like are winning Rose Bowls and stuff. <laughs> like shit happens. Yeah. But the fact it doesn't happen five times in, in a decade, that's pretty bad. Right. But never again is a bit strong. Yeah. Jed. Uh, but that's okay. You know, Jed, I like, I like the direction Jed's going. Um, I did, uh, DK and PK at the Utah radio. So I did them this morning, like before I came here and it was funny talking about it. You know, we, we talk about the Pac-12 South a lot, but you know, it's, it's Arizona's one of those teams. that's like, I'm bullish on Arizona, but the problem is bullish on Arizona this year is probably three or four wins, you know, like, which is fine, but like the schedule's tough. But he's he's rebuilding that roster, and you know maybe they surprise people. If they would you be shocked like if they went like six and six and went to a no, bowl? God no, 
But it, I just think the reasonable expectations are like three or four. I think there's a new paradigm that we're going to have to contend with, which is the um, heavy transfer market, making it so that turnarounds happen a lot quicker than they used to. Yeah. Because you bring in like a proven Pac-12 level quarterback, which they did, and then several Pac-12 level players at key spots in the transfer market, they might be suddenly like decent. Um, yeah, it, because we're it's used, the Pac-12. You could beat people if you're decent. Like if you were relying entirely on high school recruiting to do it, then yeah, there's this like you know ramp up, right, where they go from one win to four wins or whatever. But if you're adding a bunch of Pac-12 level players just overnight who already have the experience, I mean, it could be six wins, could be seven wins. I don't know. I mean, they could be suddenly pretty good. Uh, I, I don't think they will be. I think they've still got a lot of spots that they need to get some. I mean, just development beyond yeah. anything else, but um, it wouldn't be the shocker of all shockers because uh, the Pac-12 is pretty bad, and it's going to be pretty bad again this year. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, all right. Well, we have two Pac-12 spring games left. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is California Golden Bears. Cal. Okay. So people are bullish on Cal. Who? People. But which people? Top Yogi people, <laughs> okay, top yeah. top men. Yogi's bullish on everybody. Uh, he did this game with Roxy, Roxy Bernstein, who's a Cal grad. Uh, <laughs> top top men. Is that what well, that's that's Indiana Jones? It is. Isn't it is it? Yeah, yeah. Because they're like he, it's at the end. Men. Yeah, because he's like, what are you doing with the Ark? We have to. He's like, top, it is like who top men? like who's studying the arc and they just they put it in a box and stick it in a warehouse They're like okay we're done which is great that's one of the great it's dude. so good it's I, I love when you like watch these things as like an adult too and you're like oh that's actually a really good sight gag like yeah. it's really funny that ends yeah. it ends that way it's pretty good um okay so this was a spring showcase uh beautiful day out there uh they actually had a nice turnout like i don't know what the attendance was but if you looked in the crowd like people were there people were kind of happy uh, a lot of talk about the bears losing five games by one score or less uh you know they were like five plays of base, essentially five plays away from 10 wins did you buy it you buy it five plays away from 10 wins sorry what they were f they lost five games by one score or less so i think justin wilcox said or maybe it was yogi you're five plays away from so if you got scored an extra touchdown in all those games one play you're a 10 win team mm. so five plays away from 10 wins interesting way to look at mm -hmm. uh we should get uh gorsey on that and talk about that you know the tell everyone but anyway uh jake uh jack Plummer, the purdue uh, transfer. He looked pretty good out there. You almost hit him with a Jake Plummer. That almost been, Jake. That would have been loading him up with some real expectations. That is. Uh, he's probably going to be the starter. Uh, they got Xavier Carl Carl Carlton, the defensive end from Utah, and Jackson Sermon, who didn't play uh, the linebacker. He was Washington's leading tackler. Uh, he comes to Cal, so we didn't get to see him. But you know, they're. I think their defense is going to be pretty good. He said that uh, Wilcox said that there's a lot of guys taking big leaps forward. Uh, he feels good about the talent. There's going to be a lot of new starters, but he felt like Plummer picked things up really quickly. Um, a lot of talent receiver, just not a lot of experience. The guy you're going to watch for is uh, Brett Johnson. Do you remember him? So, Yes. A year ago in the spring game, I think it was a scooter accident. He got in some weird scooter accident. And uh, it was like broke his hip. Um, 
So, but he's back now. He's got this glorious, glorious handlebar mustache. Mm -hmm. He was down there with, like on the sideline with Deshaun Johnson, like Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, showing you know, two guys that have some swagger. He had some swagger. He did a great, really good interview. Uh, but he's back. Looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, he said he's close to 100. percent They they're talking about being the best front seven. You know, uh, in the Pac-12. So. They're pretty bullish on this defense, on this defense, and I'm, I think I'm with them with that. Like getting Johnson back is going to be a big deal. Um, bringing in Jackson Sermon, tackling machine. Like, I think the defense is going to be pretty good for Cal. Well, they've always been pretty good, but you know. Did you just name a coach's kid as the uh, number two player in that litany? There, I don't know if he's the number two player, but he was Washington's leading tackler. Uh huh. That's something, right? Hey, was Washington good last year? They, I mean, Seattle's beautiful. Yeah. Was his dad a coach there too? <laughs> he was, yes. Was his dad a coach there when he was recruited there? Uh, yes, I think he was. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so you're not high on okay, I'm, I'm not high on any coach's kids. Um, Kai Milner is the probably the backup quarterback plumber. They do project as the favorite. Uh, but Wilcox praised both those guys after the game. This was a weird one. So all the production, all the the games have like a different feel to them. Um. As far as like how the, it's like, there's not like a formula. Like the Pac-12, the Pac-12 did 11 of the 12 games. The ESPN did USC's. There wasn't like a formula of how this is going to be done. Like all of them felt like there was like a back of the napkin. Like let's, what do you do this? They like were interviewing like everybody. Like there was all these weird interviews. Like the first like, and there was like 15 minutes of it dedicated to the play. You know the Cal Stanford game. Like the in our, um, so they interviewed like the the. The voice of the play, the, the TV announcer, the guy that ran the touchdown in and and you know uh, stomped on the the trombone player. Uh, there was all these weird sort of interviews that really and I feel like the game was going on and they weren't really talking about the players. Like I wasn't learning as much in this one about it was more just sort of like there was like history and talking. Like the Brett Johnson interview was cool and you, you know, hear from Wilcox that's fine. But they just sort of were like it was like almost like they were filling time the entire time with all these interviews that were sort of like I don't know what I'm, what we're doing here. I think it's because they heard showcase and they're like, oh shit, this is going to be like that UCLA thing. We've got to get this. We got to get. It wasn't this to that level. Interviews. It wasn't to that level. Yeah. Um, there was actually some game stuff going on, but I felt like I didn't. If you you know, I'm not like watching. Like I know we joke. I'm not watching this intently. I'm usually like doing something else. I'm watching the spring game that's on on TV. But like they weren't ever talking about it, so like there'd be plays happening, and I like, didn't really see because like they're not talking about what's happening in the game. They're like interviewing some guy about the forty years ago play. It was forty years ago, by the way. Was it? Mm-hmm. I guess. Oh the, yeah! Wow, shit. I guess the guy that scored—I uh, forget his name—the guy that scored the touchdown. So he had had the ball more than once, and that was like a crazy game, like John Elway's, you know, last game and all this stuff, and. uh you know, they kick a field goal at the very end, and that's why you had to do the, you know, but they were talking a lot about the game. But he, you know, spiked it on the trombone player, and I guess they've become friends, and they'll, like, do speaking engagements together and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. You're really into this. Maybe they should record a podcast. Uh, they should. Deshaun Jackson was there. Okay, I have a confession to make. Okay, confess. First of all, we have to talk about Washington Huskies. <laughs> So, because I, I was in Vegas, I forgot to record. Wait, I'm sorry. What? I didn't record. What are you? Washington. What are you? What are you trying to tell us? So, and I didn't remember to record it until later. So, I this didn't record until. And you didn't check with me 
making sure I, that we had coverage. You, I assumed you watched it because you've watched all of these. So I do have a recorded now, but it wasn't recorded till like last night. I haven't got a chance to watch it. Um, you didn't have a chance to watch it. You knew we were recording today, and you still still said, "My main beat. I I am <laughs> responsible for the spring games. I have dedicated myself to this. I fought Dave off because Dave wanted to do this, but I said no. I want to do it." You had it recorded last night, and yet yeah. still, you didn't put in, what, the extra hour and a half of work to try to watch that? I was up kind of late. I had some drinks, maybe. And I had to get up early. So, no, I didn't do that. Uh, I was at the gym I, early I'm, this morning. I, I'm, I, I, just for I confess you, to being both mad and disappointed. Just for you, we'll talk about this game next week, then. If we can extend <laughs> the spring game talk. Would that, would that, would that no, be- please. Please get it over with. <laughs> okay. So this was a spring preview. Uh, thanks to our guys at Dogman. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about some of the stuff they told me. Uh, 70 to 80 play scrimmage. The offense ended up winning 34-29. I won't make any more Vegas line jokes because I've done that a few times. Um, so they have like weird quarterback thing going on. Michael Penix Jr., he got the first So series. we're going Penix, right? Huh? We're going Penix? I kind of think so. You don't want to go Penix? Oh. I think it's Penix, but we could go. But Penix. you don't want you don't <laughs> want to go Penix. You definitely want to go Penix. Uh, Sam Heward, he had the second series. Um, he looked like his numbers were good. He was twelve for 19, 167 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I talked to Chris Fetters a little bit. He says uh, that was his best practice so far. So apparently, so the he's the former five star son of a, not son of a coach, but son of a player. You know, is that okay for you, Sam Heward, son of like you know legendary Washington player? Yeah, I'll take it. Former five-star. Uh, apparently, he didn't have the best spring, but he had a really good spring game. Uh, Fetters thinks the other two guys are ahead of him. Uh, so, Penix and then Dylan Morris. Penix. Penix. Um, so, yeah. So, I think that's where you're kind of watching. D- what- I'm sorry. I'm sorry you buried the lead there. Dylan Morris is still ahead of Heward? The, uh, this is So, this is not official. This was... Uh, I am out. Fetters. I am out on the Kalen DeBoer era. <laughs> well, maybe Seward, Seward. I mean, Heward, Seward, Sam Heward, Seward, 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 and Penix. Can we just be Seward? Yeah, I like Seward. <laughs> so Seward just got it late. Actually, until he gets out of the third uh, string, he is Seward. Okay, uh, you got to move up. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry. That's about all I he's got. He's been Seward. Yeah, you like that. He's been Seward. Yeah, he's been Seward. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, Washington's got some work to do. I'm I'm a DeBoer fan. I like DeBoer. Uh, I think they're going to be, you know, just coached much better than what we saw for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, will what will that translate to? I don't know. That's why I think people are kind of bullish on Cal because you know Oregon's got the transition. You know, Oregon State's sort of been like this steady. We're good at home. We suck on the road. Stanford's absolute. But as we know, um, you know, Washington State's going through a transition that, you know, maybe a little more stability just because Dickert's still there. But like, is there a world that Cal can win the North in your in your mind? Is that is that possible? I mean, sure. Anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, Oregon's got the best roster, but I don't know. Dan Lanning's never been a head coach. Like there's there's some questions. Lan, Lan Danning. Danning. You're getting mad at me for this. You're the one that said this. I you, mean, just get it consistent. All right. Yeah. Just mistake after mistake today. It's more wide open in the north for sure to me. Um, the south, you got like 
like two absolute garbage teams. So here's here's I think the entire league has the potential to be a trash panda except for Utah. <laughs> like I think Utah I think Utah's good. Everyone else, like Oregon could be bad. Like Land Danning could be like not the answer. Um the offensive coordinator they hired who sucks, he could still suck. Um <laughs> like there's a lot of things that could happen with Oregon. I mean, I don't think they're gonna be bad, bad, but they could be like seven and five or eight and four. Um and everyone else has the potential. Like we went through it, and I don't think it's outlandish to think that USC could go like six and six. Like it could happen. It's not crazy. It's, yeah. Um and everyone else, like, I mean, Here's the thing, UCLA, uh, not to talk about the Bruins because you know how much pain it brings me. Yes. Uh, their schedule is so bad, like it's so bad that they're going to have a hard time not going eight and four at minimum. Right. Um, but it's it has the potential to be a bad league next year. Like pretty, like maybe the worst it's been. Um, so yeah, uh, North is wide open, and the South, aside from Utah, I mean, I think it's going to be a weird and wild season of yeah. a bunch of irrelevant games because I think everyone's going to be bad again except for Utah. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Can UCLA take that next step and get nine wins, ten wins, Chip Kelly era, powers through, Lincoln Riley, how many more players can he add? What were your thoughts on the uh, Jordan Addison thing? So, if you don't like, I so think I shared my thoughts. The Blitnikoff winner, Jordan Addison, uh, from Pitt. We haven't talked about a couple of things with USC. First, they landed Eric Gentry, which was at the end of last week after we um, recorded. Yeah, the uh, freshman All American linebacker from Arizona State. Yeah, who's like I think next year going to be one of the best linebackers in the country. Um, he's going to USC now. Yeah, he's going to USC now. And then Jordan Addison, like soon thereafter, was reported that he hasn't yet, but he will enter the transfer portal. And somehow we already know his preferred destination is USC. Yeah. Well, that so that was the report. And then so Pitt coaches were not very happy. He has now entered the transfer portal, but he hasn't made a decision. Mm -hmm. He. Grew How much up, time do you think he'll give it before he decides for USC to make it look I, okay? Like, I'll give you my thoughts on this. So he's friends with Caleb Williams, the quarterback. They're both from Washington, D.C., the DMV area. Uh, so they grew up playing football or whatever together. So they've known each other for a while. The pit coaches were pissed. Uh, they accused USC of tampering. Um, Pat Narduzzi called Lincoln Riley a couple of times talking about this. It became out there. There was something that there was like a $3 million payday or something like that for uh, Addison. Um Here's the thing, and I'll give you like the honest thoughts about this shit, because people say, so I did the, the Utah radio, they're like, oh, they're buying players. I'm like, you're giving USC too much credit. Like, they don't even have a collective yet. Like, they're not that well organized. They're sort of like in a great spot. It's like the Lakers, when, even though they're in turmoil, free agents want to come to the Lakers. They don't want to go to Utah. You know, Utah's got to like get the right coach, draft the right players, develop them. And, you know, they're not going to sign Anthony Davis. They're not going to sign LeBron James. The Lakers can. USC, there's people who just want to go there. Like if you're Jordan Addison and here's what happens. You lose your, your, uh, your quarterback, the only first round quarterback in the draft this year. You lose your receivers coach. You lose your offensive coordinator. All those guys are gone. You're like, I want to go somewhere else. Uh, where would you go? Like, if you didn't know Caleb Williams, if nobody talked to you, 
you're like, okay, uh, Alabama's got and Bryce you've Young. experienced the city of Pittsburgh in a fall and winter over and over and over like, again. Literally, if no one at USC ever said a word to him, he would be calling USC and go just to be asking about. Like, so the tampering stuff no, to me be, is it, absolute crap. No, it's it's and who he's looking at. Like, think about who he's looking at. It's a bunch of SEC schools, and it's USC. All of that makes sense. Yeah, like that's like, not temp- tampering. That's just oh yeah, I want to go to a program that first has a chance to win a lot next year, and second. I want to go someplace where it's not fucking Pittsburgh in the winter. Like I, it's, and you lost everyone. Your your position coach left for somewhere else for more money. Your offensive coordinator left for somewhere else for more money. Your quarterback who like didn't really have great years early, then had a huge year this last year, and the big reason why you caught a hundred balls. He's gone to the NFL, the only first round pick. Like, like the people are getting on him. You know that's. USC can do some weird shit. You're giving them too much credit. They don't even have a collective. They they don't have the organization to like put some package together with $3 million in a house to try to get some kid to come there. They just, kids want to go there because it's freaking LA and they're, they got the hot coach right now. I mean, that, that's my little soapbox thing. So yes, I, Does that I sound USC home. No, no, no. I, I tend to agree. Um, uh, now might they have tampered? Who knows? Like, very, I mean, very co- possibly could have. But like, I, I think everyone is temp- tampering at some level. Your best chance to get him would have been Caleb Williams to talk to him. Right. Like, if and you that's were in like, a gray if, area. If Lincoln Riley wanted to call him, I think Caleb Williams would go, no, let me do it. Like, I know him. Like, the, the, the smartest path to try to get him to come to USC wasn't for Lincoln Riley to call him, would be for Caleb Williams to call him. You know, right. like, like it's, tampering wouldn't even have helped. Like, it, it would have been better to do it the legal way with Caleb Williams, his childhood friend, to call him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, anyway. USC continues to um, add some players. It's really, um, I don't know, disappointing to the watch death, happen. The Death Star is being. It's just, it's just really disappointing to watch happen, especially because it's just setting you guys up for such a fall. It's so sad, you know. You guys are gonna that, load up all these players, and that defense is still gonna be big ass. And see, it's it's funny, like watching the defensive front. I think they're going to be actually all right. You know, mm-hmm. I like Romello Height, mm-hmm. the the kid from Auburn that came in. Mm-hmm. Tule Tule Pelotu is a potential like All Pac twelve mm-hmm. dude. His brother Marlon played at SC. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Brandon Peely's coming back. Uh, defense could still be asked. I'm not liking the way you're sounding because you're sounding like, oh, we'll see. And then you're like, yeah, when they go eleven and one, yeah, I guess we saw. <laughs> That's kind of what it's going to be. Yeah. I'm, you know, I I could be as pessimistic about them as anybody. I usually am, I. But I'm like, I get a feeling like the Pac-12 is just not that good. They're adding players to see competent leadership is like very weird. I'm like, damn. Now I don't know if the defense is going to be good because there's questions about Grinch and you know that. I I you know I'm with you. Like I don't know, but I think the offense is going to be really good, and that's probably enough to to win a whole bunch of games in the Pac-12. You know. Yep, I've watched this league. Yeah, we've seen it a bunch. Uh, so speaking of Arizona State, Chris Cartman did a podcast. I listened to the whole thing. It was like an hour long. This is funny. Okay, we, we already mentioned our buddy Fetters. You know, like when we have Fetters on, you know, we could ask like three questions and we're going to get like 30 minutes worth of answers. This was uh, the Sun Devil Source podcast. I forget his his co-host, the host, the, the host of it. I think it was an hour long. I think there were four questions. Like Cartman was going... he's heated right now and i didn't feel like it was super emotional but he just said everything that was on his mind and there was always smart like always mentioning players and what this guy was doing what that guy was doing um you should go listen to it 
Uh, check it out. So uh, the latest guys, you know, Jermaine Lallet, the you know star defensive tackle, he's in the portal. Um, Has the USC guy? contacted him yet? Uh, I, th- there hasn't been any rumors of that yet, but you would assume that's someone that you know because that's get. somebody who could help. Yes, I mean, he would help anybody. Yeah, but he's like an absolute stud. And the other guy, what's it? Lot? Uh, I forget his. He name. went back. He he announced yesterday that he's back he's going to back ASU. into the portal. Yeah. Okay, no, so, he's going back to ASU. Okay, good. Yeah, so that's good. Um, but Lole missed the season because of injury, but he had 96 tackles and eight sacks in 17 games. Um, so he's, he's a big one. So if, if someone can, can nab him, uh, that's, you know, but for Arizona state, it's tough when you lose talent like Gentry, but it's also tough when you lose it to a division rival. Um, this is an offense that they would like to run like, uh, 10 receivers or something right now. They have five, they've lost five receivers. Um, there's four scholarship receivers on the roster. That's not good. They have one scholarship receiver. That's a former walk-on. So you could say five. They actually have more tight ends than they have receivers. Um, from last year, they had half their starters were seniors. So a bunch of guys lost five or six more starters were lost to the portal. So they're replacing like 16 starters from last year's team. Um, and from, for according to Cartman, they got to replace. So if you took your best, like 35 players, 35 to 40 players, you're replacing like in the low twenties of them. So like well more than half of your best, you know, like you're too deep, essentially more than half of them are gone. Um, so he, that, he said that's the first time he's ever seen that happen. Um, uh, but like NIL was an issue, uh, Invested, but the investigation is the bigger one. And, you know, he's talking about some of the issues of why players would leave. And sometimes you're making the excuse like, oh, it's NIL, NIL. It's this investigation. And like you said, the best time to fire Herm Edwards was months ago. The second best time is right now. Everybody knows that. Like, it's hard to retain people when you know the head coach is on the thinnest of thin ice. It's not even that. He's a dead man walking. Yeah. If you can't, so. One sign of it is when you can't recruit anymore, and I think they're showing that. They had a horrible cycle last cycle, and I don't think this one's shaping up to be a whole lot better. And the other sign, and maybe the more critical sign, is when you can't even retain your own players. If guys are jumping like this, and now we've seen a full, what, two cycles of the transfer portal being a real thing, this is rare. This is rare at the Power 5 level, where guys are jumping ship at this rate. Um, You see a trickle. You see guys leave. But they're not balancing it out. Like it's not like they're getting a bunch of incoming guys. They're just losing dudes constantly. And when you see that, even in this era of free transfers and the whole thing, that's that's a rarity. That's when things are going horribly because these guys. I mean, think about you. Think about you and your life. Um, if you got a job offer, let's, let's throw nil in there as like basically a job offer okay. that gives you a substantial amount of money more. But you have to move. Like you've got to move like several states away, away from your entire comfort zone, away from all your friends and family or whatever it is. You have to sit there and think about it. Sure. And if all these guys are making that decision, whether or not it's NIL related, they're making it because their current situation is effed up. Not because it's such a better offer over there. Like I'm sure it is, but it, the the fundamental underlying fact is that your current situation is effed up. That's the only reason you would move because I mean it's they're people. These are all people, and it's not like we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. We're talking about 
oh, they can go to that school and maybe make $60,000 a year. Yeah. Um, is that enough to, I mean, because these guys are all on full scholarship, meaning they get their housing paid for, they get all this stuff paid for. So it's a question of, okay, the pocket money, I can go to there. And yeah, I'm talking about $60,000 of its pocket money, but also at ASU, I'm sure they can get something. It's not 60 grand maybe, but it's something. Yeah. Um, it's it's because ASU is is dysfunctional. Um, and so ASU needs to figure that out. And the way to figure that out is to fire literally everyone <laughs> under the president. <laughs> yeah. Ray Anderson needs to go and Herm Edwards needs to go. Yes. Because that's just... You can't look at this as anything other than these guys leaving because the program is dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's uh, it's extremely dysfunctional, and it's hard to – that's what was weird. Like, watching the spring game, there was this kind of sense of, like, okay, things are settled now, and there's, like, a sense of community. Um, but obviously, that's not the case, and we've seen more people depart. So maybe you're putting on the brave face – and hoping things get better, but it's just that environment. I mean, I've seen, it was around USC. Clay Helton for years was like on the verge of being fired and that, that weighs on you as a player. Um, but they, yeah, this is a, it's not a great situation and you feel bad for everyone involved. Um, you feel bad for the fans and, and all that, but I don't see this being anything but a disaster like right now. So, um, Yeah. Well, we'll talk about Arizona State a little bit more in a minute. Uh, you mentioned Ray Anderson. The uh, Pac-12 Springs meetings were going on in uh, in Arizona. That's the other thing. You, it's not like you're living in Fargo, North Dakota. If you want to leave, like it's really easy to get the hell out of there because like, oh, I don't know. like you're leaving like like a paradise essentially. Like you're leaving, you know, Scottsdale, Arizona, or whatever. You know, you're in Tempe. Are you calling? Um, a place that gets to, I think, 115 <laughs> degrees in the summer paradise, because I think that's actually closer to the other thing. It's pretty awesome, though. Isn't it? Isn't it closer to the other I, thing, I, though? <laughs> you know, the other thing you believe in, the hot place, isn't it? I love, uh, I love Arizona. So I don't. It's not, a lot of people love it there. Uh -huh. It's growing. Like Do crazy. people die there every summer because of the actual just like base weather? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That is true. Um, okay, the Pac-12 spring meetings are going on. Uh, Wilner was reporting on it. Bruce Feldman uh, did some reports on this and stuff. Um, so, and there's also like it's also kind of like a national um, meeting. The SEC teams were involved, but a lot of the other Power Five conferences were. So, conference executives, athletic directors, head coaches. So, there's a lot of people in Scottsdale. Uh, you know, expensive hotel. Like it's all you know. So if you want to talk about like hypocrisy, like oh, we're worried about paying these players and they're going to stay at these $500 a night suites there and having a blast in Scottsdale, playing some golf and all that stuff. Um, so Wilner talked about not expecting a whole lot f coming from this because any kind of big change, you need presidential approval. Like if they were going to switch to eight games instead of nine, things like that. Um, you know, the division thing might, they might get rid of that. That's something they could talk about. Um, you know, the the weird thing is, you know, we talk about divisions going away a lot, but the NCAA put a thing in there where it says, like, to make, you know, for a conference championship game, you have to have divisions. So I think the NCAA would actually have to be the first move where you, and it probably wouldn't be that hard. You're like, hey, we're going to get rid of divisions and still have a championship game. Um, so you do that. Uh, doesn't think that eight games are going to happen unless the Big Ten does it. So the Pac-12 will follow there. But 
Bruce Feldman did a talk to different coaches that were there from the Pac-12. Um, I guess Rick George, the athletic director at Colorado, was a pretty big proponent of, you know, some more like guardrail kind of things. I guess he was talking about this before it went live, so it's not like hindsight. Like he, this the NCAA didn't do anything. I don't know what you can really do now, but the funniest quip was he talked to like three different coaches. And apparently Ray Anderson, the the Arizona State Athletic Director, gets up in front of the room and like starts, you know, talking about we got to take care of this cheating and we have to do it at the conference level. Like really, like we have to clean this up. Um, and everyone's like, are you really getting up there? The the, the guy with, the, under NCAA investigations, like level one investigations, like you are the school being investigated. You are the one that has all this cheating turmoil around you. And you're 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 on your soapbox talking about we have to stop this cheating. Like. So that was just like baffling to me that that he would do that. And another reason why the best time to fire Ray Anderson was three months ago, and the second best time would be today. Yeah. Ray Anderson having the self awareness of um, <laughs> I don't know, having zero self awareness, um, really kind of true to form there. Yeah. So uh, Bruce tweeted. Um, there's a moment noted by several coaches in the room Tuesday when Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson took the floor to passionately discuss rule breakers, which multiple sources said was dripping with irony as his football program is in the midst of a full-blown recruiting scandal involving Herm Edwards and his staff has cost numerous Sun Devil coaches their jobs. The quote is, Ray going on a soapbox like that was really something to see, and it was so bizarre, I'm thinking, oh my God, is he really going there? So, uh, pretty funny. Like, how do you get... Like, this is the Pac-12. Like, this is where we are. Um, that's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I thought that was a, a, a really funny one. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I got. Well, the the great thing is, while we vamped for an hour, we yeah. got another question. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll get, we got a couple questions to get to. Back in a minute. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. I told this to David before uh, we went on air. Like I was recording the Peristyle podcast, and we do a little video aspect of it. I think we we're going to talk about here that I'm sure David set up the YouTube channel by now. Um, and I, I introduced the show as the podcast of champions. So, you know, people got on me when I put the Peristyle podcast intro or this one, it's hard to do both. It's hard to keep. I can't Did anyone keep... notice? Did anyone say anything? Uh, no, I'll have to look, I'll look on the channel and see if anyone said anything. Um, we have a voicemail though. Do you want to start with that? I do. Here we go. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Um, you know, in addition to the, the piece that the Athletic did on on Colorado and kind of their historic um, fall from grace, they also kind of talked about UCLA and Washington. I was wondering uh, if you guys had ever, um, if you guys had read either of those, and um, based on where the two programs are are at now, I was wondering which of those two could you guys see? Maybe not necessarily getting back to winning a national championship, but you know, maybe getting to Rose Bowls and competing more so in the Pac-12. Um, and then, you know, with um, with Condoleezza Rice potentially being mentioned as as someone who could replace Mark Emmert at the NCAA, uh, Dave, I just wanted to to ask um, if if you had to pick a member, uh, you could only pick a member from George Bush's War Cabinet to replace um, to replace Mark Emmert as NCAA president. Who would you pick? Thanks, guys. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Perk. What do you got, David? You got to go, Dick, right? Yeah, Dick Cheney. He's got a good shot. It. Yeah, and I think he would. Uh, <laughs> I think he'd bring some um, um, some real fire to it. Yeah, I think he would get some stuff done. <laughs> yeah, he would get some. You stuff might not done. like some of the, the methods, <laughs> but I think the results would probably be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. think I think he'd shoot from the hip a lot. <laughs> <laughs> good one. Um. What was the first part now? That I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Something about the athletic stories, the series, uh, Washington and USC were part of it now. Oh. Uh, Which ones can get back to Rose Bowl levels? I think what he was saying. I think yeah, they both can. We should have paid attention, I guess. Um, I think they both can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I like it. Yeah. We love you, Perk. Thanks, Perk. Uh, do we get like a... Condi keeps getting thrown in here because I think at some point in her history, she professed an interest in sports. Like I think that's why she's like entirely like in all this stuff. Like she yeah. was a CFP voter for a while. Is she, she still? I don't think she is anymore. She was yeah, she was on one of those committees. Um honestly, I mean not to you know, not to be ageist. Um but I think uh if you're like with many other things, I think if you're going to get a new NCAA president, you want somebody who's like Committed to the idea of it as like an ongoing thing, um, because right now uh, the NCAA has to worry about self-preservation. Um, yeah. And in an ideal world, 
here's what I'll say. I'm not a big NCAA guy, but in an ideal world, there would be an overarching governing body for college football um, that is strong and powerful and can actually make some rules that will be stuck to. But they can't be arbitrary and they can't be stupid and they can't be um, rules for rules sake. Um, And I think the vision required there, um, you need somebody who's kind of immersed in it, um, who's probably done it at the college administrative level, um, but also somebody who's got some verve, who has this as like, I want to do this. I want to make this a big thing. And um, Condoleezza Rice, first ageist, I'm just prefacing with that. She's 67 years old. Is she really? Yeah, and then on top that. on top of that, um, she's already hit her profound career marks. Like she's already done the things that I'm sure she set out to do. This would be a retirement gig. You don't want somebody taking this as a retirement gig unless the entire point is to, um, basically offload it and right. and turn You're riding it off into the sunset. As the yeah, yeah, it's ending exactly. Yeah. Um, but if you want to keep it as an ongoing concern, and I think in an ideal world there would be some sort of governing body, and NCAA works. Why not? You you need somebody who's going to have a vision for that, and it's not going to be Condoleezza Rice. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we have three questions. Is the meaningless reporting? I don't think we did. We do this last time. I don't think we did. No. We didn't. Okay. Do you want me to do it? Uh, sure. Actually, we have one before that. We do. Yeah, it's a text message. <clears throat> it was right after our recording. Okay. Uh, someone tell Dave he's wrong. Very, very wrong. The Maple Bar and even the Boston Cream are completely standard donuts and should be in the rotation. Since we're on the topic, what do you think is David Shaw's favorite donut? Jed Fish's, Kyle Whittingham's. Okay. So All right. He's so exactly first, right. first, a maple bar is disgusting. Uh, so Boston good. cream, I understand it to be a part of a normal rotation. Cream-filled donuts are also disgusting. You know what's better? The maple bar cream-filled. Disgusting. Randy's Donuts has those. They're really D- good. Disgusting. My you're, little you're, favorite place in Hermosa used to do the, the, the maple bar filled with cream. They don't do it anymore. I, I stopped going. You're a disgusting and hideous human being. <laughs> um, and I don't know why I'm in the same room as you. I might go uh, get one. David Shaw's favorite donut. Is an old fashioned. Yes, one hundred percent. It's an old fashioned. Uh, Jed Fishes is a, uh, like a fun. S- no, it's like a it's like a jelly filled. Um, like it's, it's got to be has some flair to it. It's got yeah. It's got a, it's jelly filled with like yeah funfetti on it and funfetti, like powdered yeah. sugar. Has that funfetti. Yeah. Um, Kyle Whittingham seems like um, he's a bear claw. It's yeah. <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, let's see. This is uh, Amy Go Utes Meaningless Reporting. Well, now that you've reported on spring ball for the past few weeks, which David has now convinced me that these games are meaningless, why are you not reporting other meaningless news, like the way too early ESPN rankings? There, I think there's a difference between meaningless and whatever ESPN way too early rankings are. Yeah, those are not, those are, um, I don't even think they're intended to have meaning. Right, I think they're the like spring game. There's like positively nihilistic. Some intent behind it, but uh, so Utah rank number four, USC twelve, Oregon sixteen. Thoughts? I know meaningless at this point. However, I have a couple questions for you. I think we talked about someone. There were some early rankings. I think we mentioned last week, and we thought like those were. Right. And the Twitter twenty four seven did a post spring one. Uh, so here, questions are: Why are they putting out the rankings this early? Uh, it's before the transfer season is finished. Ooh, ooh, I've got the answer. You want to know why? Because we are all ruled by the content mill. Right. That's it. That's it. You have to create content, and what else are you going to write about in April? 
Yeah, like they're really coming up with who's going to be the number one player drafted. For I'm writing year. off-season opponent primers in May for teams that they're going to play in August and September. Why? What's the point? You got to create content. Because you got to have content. Yeah. And people will talk about it. You wrote us talking about it. So like, if they didn't do that, you wouldn't have wrote us talking about it. We exactly. Don't talk about it. You know? And hell, we make stories out of the ESPN rankings and we put them up on our goddamn website. It's like the uh, the Simpsons episode where I think it was like one of the Halloween ones mm-hmm. where the advertising takes over and like the donut guy comes around like smashing things. So all the advertising things come to life and they start killing people and stuff. And then the, they make a jingle. They they have the jingle guy like the jingle is like just don't look. So like, basically, if you don't look at it. Then it'll go, they'll go away. Like all the, the smashing and stuff will stop. So if you stop talking about the way too early rankings and nobody ever responded, they would stop doing them. But you're going to respond negatively, positively, and they're going to keep doing them. Well, and uh, so uh, Ryan is somewhat correct, but somewhat incorrect because there is a reality too where this isn't just purely ROI driven. There is an element where we are just creating content. We are just filling this filling these websites up with stuff that's new because for ESPN's purposes, the writer who makes that, uh, he's got a boss telling him, Hey, you got to create some content. Yeah. And yeah, they may or may not track the traffic, but I think anything that says like, Oh wow, they must do great numbers on this. You're really overestimating the, the amount of people who actually even understand how to look at Google analytics. They don't, you just got to hit a number. It's like any other job. You got to get something produced. Doesn't matter if it's actually linked to anything of value maybe sometimes but not really yeah uh all right number two uh, is it preferable to see utah rank so high that's a lot of expectations for a team or is it preferable to have them work their way up uh i mean i guess it depends on where you're i don't think this stuff matters like whether or not they're ranked high i don't think the expectations really matter i mean it can we've seen it you know repeating champions it's tougher you know it's tough to be have the target on your back as opposed to the team that never broke through now you're the team i I think that's i think that's anecdotal i don't know that it's proven and um oh it's proven i I think it's i think it's hard to go through if you're talking about back i'm gonna whiteboard it for you i think it's hard to go through 24 games where you're only losing a couple so i think yeah it's hard to repeat because it's hard to win that many games yeah Okay, and then three, is it better for Utah's program and thus the conference for Utah to win the Rose Bowl or lose in the playoff games? Um, I think at this point, get a, get to a playoff, Utah. Because yes. I think Utah, um, I don't think they have the whatever the blue chip ratio is to actually win the title, but I think they are the kind of structured team that could upset that. Like I think there's a few programs throughout the country who could finally put Bud Elliott's um, blue chip ratio uh, to the test. Um, A program structure like Utah, where it's just been this level of intense consistency for so many years, where they're finally upgrading the talent at certain spots, maybe they're one that's able to get over the top to an extent. Yeah. um, Because they are so well coached and they are so consistent and the program itself is sort of, I don't know, it's almost self-aware at this point. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then as a side note, I was listening to last week's episode and boy, were the swear words flying swear words. I like that. I only noticed because I was listening in my classroom after school and had to apologize for all the foul language to my students. I've learned my lesson. Thanks for making, always making me laugh. Go Utes, uh, from Amy. Yeah. I think I've been, uh, I think I've been, um, wilding out a little bit on the swears. Yeah. There's certain days, you know, I think last week you did a, a bunch. 
But Amy, why, why would you listen to our show, like not on headphones in your classroom? Like, what, are you teaching? I mean, I think you could. I think, I think you could have stopped that question after the first like uh, six words there. <laughs> why are you listening to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I would not listen to it. Uh, yeah, I would classroom. not listen to it. Correct. <laughs> I actually never have. Nice. Um, this is from Frank in Sacramento. You guys need toilet paper. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, um, I did defile Ryan's uh, toilet in the office here mm. just before we started recording. So maybe you should send us some toilet paper. No, Frank. but Ryan, um, so this is an office. So I'm going to give you a, a, a sense of where we're doing this. Okay. Um, we are in an office building. Uh, it's not an office building. It's a storage facility, but there are offices attached to it. Uh, it overlooks um, what I can only believe to be a water treatment plant with um, sewage nope. in the water out here. It's not water treatment. It's a, 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 a reserve power plant for the power grid. So basically, yeah. when there's overflow, this thing fires up, which happens like almost the, never. So, so let, me, let, me, let me just be clear. There's a pool of brown water directly outside of Ryan's office um, yeah. that we look over. I think over. it's greener right it's, now. It's beautiful. Um, so the this, ocean's right behind it. This like office, the, the office itself, has one room, which is uh, the recording studio, where Ryan occasionally opens up the blinds um, to let the sun shine in. And um, on those days, this part of the office, I think, uh, gets to about ninety-seven degrees. Uh, behind that is another room. This room is the, um, I would say, filming area, a few other things, but it also includes a bathroom. Now yeah. that bathroom. Um, Here's the thing. So this is an office where, what do you guys spend? Like a couple hours a day, tops? Yeah. It's the most well-stocked bathroom I've ever seen in my life. He I has try. He has about eight rolls of toilet paper, just spare toilet paper in there. There's all kinds of like smell goods. It's just, it's beautiful. It's well done. I try. I try to clean it. I haven't cleaned it for a little while. But like no. there's a bookshelf in here. Like this is more well-appointed than like my house. <laughs> It's just, uh, yeah, anyway, um, just thought I'd take people behind the curtain a little bit. Do you remember when we first started doing the podcast? We drove to, like, the Fox uh-huh. lot or whatever. Yes. yes. That was fun. Like, the we had, Scout had, like, a little studio, or, no, yeah, little, some offices in there, and then we, yeah, and you we would, used to Yeah, and you would bring all your crap, and we would have to, like, literally plug into your soundboard there. Yes. That was a pain in the butt. <laughs> we had key cards, like, to get into the, the building. You had a key card. I still parked on the street. You did? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess membership has its privileges. I don't know. What was the thing? Yeah. Why did I have one? You didn't have one. Who knows? But anyway, the toilet paper has a picture of Urban Meyer on it. Yeah. Um, I guess that was the point of that. Yep. Okay. Then we got one last one. I'll okay. read this one because that one was short. Okay. Struggling ASU fan. This is from uh, Clay in Phoenix. Hi, guys. I've been meaning to email, email in for a while with something like create the ultimate Pac-12 road trip for 2022. I even started making spreadsheets with best games and matchups, but with each passing week, and I feel my interest with ASU and college football being crushed. We all knew with the recruiting scandal it would likely send ASU into a rough patch for a few years, but usually with a decent new coaching staff, it doesn't take too long to drum up interest in the program and be competitive again in the Pac-12. However, with what we have seen so far with NIL, I am worried that could be a thing of the past. Reading that Eric Gentry got high to mid-six figures, I had mixed feelings. It made me really happy for him and college players in general. That honestly does not seem out of line for a player that was a freshman All-American. If anything, it might be a little low. But it also crushed my hopes when thinking about the future of college football. 
Pitt losing Addison is a real wake-up call that even in the Power Five, there's going to be a huge disparity from the haves and have-nots. For about the past 10 years, my interest in college football outside of the Pac-12 has really dwindled, but my love of Pac-12 has grown with how competitive it usually is. I love that it only took eight years for every team in the South to win it. Even with just the hiring of Lincoln Riley, it still felt that there was going to be a lot of work for USC to return to the Pete Carroll days. But if they, if they are able to outspend teams, it really feels like we have a lot of USC versus Oregon or Washington in our future. The NCAA dragging their feet and forcing players to get paid from outside the schools is really going to hurt teams without large boosters. And with how long they take to move, I can't imagine anything being resolved anytime soon. Am I wrong with the way I am looking at all of this? If this is the way it goes for the foreseeable future, which Pac-12 teams do you believe will benefit the most and which will be hurt the most? Thanks for all you both do, Clay and Phoenix. Thanks, Clay. Sorry you're disappointed there. Um, so according to Cartman, Arizona State is putting together a collective now. So like there are, they actually are doing this. Um, so it's not like that you know, all hope is lost for that. But the biggest factor isn't NIL. It's the you know the scandal and the way it's being handled by the powers that be, which sucks because you're delaying this and it's just making it worse and worse. So like the longer you go without firing them. And firing Ray Anderson, the longer this goes on, the, the basically you're not admitting that there's a problem. Right. Um, you you're like we haven't hit rock bottom yet. Yes, you have. Unfortunately, it can get worse. So I guess you haven't hit rock bottom, but you're digging into the rock. Um, but the NAL stuff, I think the the Pac-12 is just going to be a little slower, but they'll do stuff. And yeah. there's reasons to stay on the West Coast as long as you have something. If you know, if Auburn is going to offer some kid from Long Beach. 100,000 and Arizona State was offering them like 70. Like, I don't think that's going to be a difference maker, you know? Uh -uh. Uh, but if you have, if there's a huge disparity, then that could be the case. So, ASU is putting their collective together. I literally haven't heard anything about USC putting a collective together. UCLA is trying to, they're doing something. They're doing right. some stuff. Yeah. Um, I think Washington. US, so, I think USC and UCLA from, because. As much as there are differences in many different ways, I think they operate kind of similarly in how they go about like compliance-related issues. A lot of times, it's like I don't, slow I don't know that UCLA's is ever going to be public. Like, I don't know if they're going to be publicizing the way that idiot in Miami is doing it. You know, <laughs> and I don't think, I don't know that USC will either. Like, I think they'll be doing stuff, and they're going to tell the recruits that they're doing stuff. But I don't know if they're going to be like, hey, we've got the. USC Caruso, uh, you know, whatever, um, right. collective it's, it's, I think it'll, I mean, I, I think for UCLA, it will always be to an extent behind the scenes. And I would imagine it'll be similar for USC. Yeah. Yeah. That Miami one is like insane. Nuts. And the well, weird and it's, part is it's like already the... blowing back on him because of the obvious problem, which is if you're, if you're, um, completely transparent with the deals you're creating and you're not giving everyone the same thing, you're going to have guys competing against each other for the money. Yeah. Complete and, transparency with this is the same reason um, a lot of employers don't do wage transparency. Because you don't want to know how much your coworker you don't want the 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 plebs, the plebs to know how much uh the other plebs are making because then they're going to say I want that amount of money. Right. And sometimes it's different, you know, um it's more of a this guy came from another company or this woman came from another company and we had to pay her more to get her here, but she's doing the same job or he's doing the same yeah. job as someone that's already here that we didn't have to pay more to get them, you know? So right. there's, no. there's and you're going to, and you're going to have like cost. I mean, it's, it's wages. You're going to have like COL adjustments and stuff. Like there's going to be, you know, do I get a raise every year? Cause the, the cost of this is going up. Yeah. Um, it's all going to be very interesting, but um, the booster aspect too is like, so I, I forget which 
I was reading another article on this and they didn't change the booster. Like if you're a booster, you're not supposed to be giving prospects money. So even if it's like an NIL thing, like that's still like a thing, you know, and this guy's like a big booster and like advertising, giving money. Like, so there's still like, I think there's some rules that are forgotten, but are being broken. And they're like, just cause it's NIL doesn't mean, but the problem is like the, if you like went to a school, like you're considered a booster. So like anyone that went to UCLA or whatever, well, I think all those rules are there. They've been invalidated by the NIL rules because the NIL is so permissive that you can read it as essentially, um, you know, invalidating almost every single regulation against paying players that came before gotcha. it. Okay, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the reality is um, uh, it's what I was saying before. I mean, there there is still hometown value. Now, you you do have to give them something, and I think ASU will eventually get to the point where they're giving them something. But the reason you're losing a bunch of players, I mean, you, you would be losing them at the level you're losing them if you were not a dysfunctional program. Right. So I guess on the flip side, Clay, all it takes to suddenly be a functional program again is to fire that joker <laughs> and get a new one. Um, <laughs> and and the, new coach, one. the new coach will be able to say, hey, we're functional. Like, do you think Arizona has like a huge NIL collective? They might have a decent one, but do they have a huge one? No, it's so. Arizona. But they're not losing players in droves. They're bringing in guys constantly because fundamentally, um, I think there's big deals going on and there's guys who are getting a good amount of money. But for most people, it's, you know, can I get 10 grand here or not? Or And is that going to be the determining factor or is it going to be whether I can play? Yeah. And whether I can play a lot and whether I can show myself for the NFL where the real money happens. Um, and I think at this level, that's still what's happening. Um, and I, <laughs> at some point, there's going to be a, a, a come to Jesus for some of these booster types who are crazy, obviously, all of them. But um, it's not like every single school has a billionaire who's like ready to just funnel money into this like it's his um, you know, professional team. There is no ROI for these guys aside from the simple enjoyment of it. Yeah. Um, and so this you might know, go away. Like they're not cutting into the revenue. So, oh, wow, I'm, I'm shelling out like whatever it is. I'm shelling out five million bucks a year, ten million dollars a year to, uh, you know, fuel up the football team with talent. And I'm not getting anything besides what I was already getting by being a booster. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. We might. This might be like a. I've never been able to do this before. And yeah, it's exciting of, and it's new and all this other stuff. But then when it doesn't immediately translate into wins because uh, college football recruiting is a crapshoot, well, then where are you? Yeah. So I mean, I think it's going to settle at some point, and that point I think is going to be essentially players getting uh, sort of baseline salary at every school. And you know, ASU might be a forty thousand dollar a year school, but. You know, Auburn, to your point, is like an $80,000 a year school. Okay, yeah. well, is that going to determine it, or do you want to stay on the West Coast? You know, and so it might become more important for schools to recruit locally um, and, you know, really soak up the talent in your uh, neck of the woods so that, you know, guys are more predisposed to stay around. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, great stuff. We had some extra questions there at the end that I didn't even know we had, so perfect. It was beautiful. It was very nice. Uh, we got to decide what we're going to do going forward. Um I was thinking, run this by you. Run we it by could me. do like a deep dive once a week, you know, a different team. You know, um, we've done like kind of a post spring. Hey, where's the state of this this team right now? You know, the transfer portal date has passed. There's still going to be guys transferring in. 
should be less guys transferring out because if you transfer out now, um, apparently though the waiver process is pretty easy, so we might see some guys transfer out and just get a waiver and be able to play right away anyway. Um, from what I've been hearing, but uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on? Let's do it. We could do it. Let's do it, baby. You're you're always the planner. You know, you always think of stuff to do. I'm really good at it. He does um, walk in at nine o'clock and say, "Hey, I need to defile your bathroom." And by the way, what are we talking about? What work did you do? To I didn't. I didn't do that. I defiled your bathroom, and then as I was walking out of the bathroom to begin recording, I asked, "What are we talking about?" <laughs> okay. I didn't. Priority. I didn't go in there thinking about it. Like I didn't go in and sit on the toilet and say, "Okay, I'm gonna have five minutes now to think about this." No, I waited until I was out of the toilet to come to you and say, "Hey, what are we talking about?" So there was less prep. I didn't want to give people the wrong impression there. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Yeah, send us any ideas and uh, stuff you have. Hope everyone has a wonderful Cinco de Mayo and a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed the show. Celebrate the anniversary of the Battle of Puebla, which did not in any way end a war. Yes. It's, it's a good reason to celebrate. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. New CBS Monday. Federal agents! Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 